everyone, and welcome back to Pass the Salt. You guys, it's episode number 20, 20. We have graduated from the teens. We are now young adults of a podcast, which is so exciting. If we don't know each other, it's great to meet you. My name is Chris Anna, and I'm a proud sponsor. <laughs> no, I am a team member of Salt and Light Youth Ministry, and this podcast is Christmas-themed. So let's get to it, everyone. It's time to pass the salt on a couple of very important Christmas things for you and for me. So if you've been following along, And by following along, I mean listened to one previous episode, number 19. Then you know that for Advent, we are doing Christmas-themed episodes here at Pass the Salt. And um, what I explained last week was that Salt and Light being a nonprofit organization and a parachurch ministry, um, what we do is sort of unique in the realm of ministry, and we're not meeting regularly Sunday mornings with a congregation. So typically Salt and Light, the organization, doesn't really celebrate things like Christmas or Advent um, because our events are more in the summer and around the school year calendar. However, now that we have a podcast, we can celebrate Advent together. And um, I think it's really special that we can pass the salt. We can talk about, we can dive into, and we can learn more about God's word and about this season of waiting, because that's what Advent is. It's a season of looking um, with anticipation forward and looking ahead to the birth of Jesus, to the life of Jesus, to the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and to how all of that impacts us still thousands of years later. So before we dive into today's Advent devotional, um, I wanted to share with you some more Christmas games. And um, I don't have the secret family recipe for this episode because I'm still searching for the little index cards that have them written down in my late grandmother's handwriting that's really, really difficult to read. So I didn't really search very hard. Um, I will search harder and have them for (laughs) next week. But today's Advent theme is love. And I think that you will love these Christmas games. I have a couple to share with you that you can play with your friends at youth group or your family. Um, If you don't love Christmas games, that's fine. You can fast forward until you hear dialogue from me about the Bible. Maybe that's something you love more than games. 10 gold stars for you if that's the case. Okay, let's get to it. Let's pass the salt. Here are some Christmas games that your youth groups should play or you should make mom and dad play with you in the living room, okay? These games do require whoever's in charge and whoever's coordinating, whoever's the game coordinator. You need to plan ahead and either purchase or find these items around your house, okay? So these are not simple in the fact that they can just be played on a whim. Like last week's games, I believe, were a little bit simpler. These are a little, we're moving up, okay? We're episode 20. We're young adults now. We're gonna, our games are getting a little more complicated. So that's just a fair warning. 
disclosure before we move forward. I'd also like to say that um, in addition to Salt and Light, I do some work at Northern School District with the musicals, and people there make fun of me in Dillsburg for the way that I say the word F-O-R-W-A-R-D. It's, I guess, supposed to be pronounced forward, and I always say forward. (sighs) So if that is cringy to you as you're listening, I've said that word a couple times. I just wanted to apologize. I'm really sorry. Okay, the first game, I don't, again, I don't have a title for this game. Um, I think it's been played on, like, talk shows, and it's been played, like, I've seen it on Instagram in the past and YouTube and whatnot. So uh, the titles that those people have given this game can be a little bit um, not salt and light friendly. (laughs) So I would call this game Snowball Fight, but that's a stupid title, as you're about to find out. So come up with a better title, please. Here's how you play it. You've seen it, I'm sure. (laughs) You um, have to get a couple of empty tissue boxes. So um, ideally the horizontal tissue box, but I think that the like more square, tall-sized, classic Kleenex tissue box would work. Church closets have tissue boxes, and I bet if you secretly took two or three, it'd be okay. And then leave like four dollars. <laughs> you took two. You probably shouldn't do that. That's bad advice. Don't say that Saul Knight told you to do that. Um, but you take the tissue box and you, this is really strange to explain with my voice. And if you know this game, you're nodding your head in agreement. You take the tissue box and you put it around your tush. I said it. And you secure it there with a really large rubber band or maybe like a, like a belt or a, some sort of fabric that can make sure it stays in place. Um, but it needs to be securely around your waist and specifically on your, on your tush. (laughs) And what you're going to do is fill the tissue box with some sort of small, um, balls, like cotton balls would work if plastic ornaments would work, little jingle bells would work, but just something that can be, um, taken out of the box when you jiggle your little bottom all around. It's like Jingle Bell Rock if you use um, little jingle bells. This is a really funny game. I can't remember if I did it when I was in youth ministry. I know I did something similar to it, but it's funny to, you just like take a couple of people at a time and they are so the tissue box the bottom of it that doesn't have the slit for the tissues is what's up against your body and then this you fill the tissue box no more tissues in it you fill the tissue box with whatever you're going to put inside of it and then that like spot for the tissues to come out is what's facing outward and then you shake your little bottom all around like the chicken dance so that the things inside of the tissue box come out (laughs) so it's like wiggly wiggly squiggly fun um and it's really funny and everyone watching just like cheers the people on you could have teams and keep track of like how many um you know how many did you get out of your tissue box within a 30 second time frame you can set a timer and that's the play time so yeah what did I call it something stupid snowball fight 
please. You can think of something better, I'm sure. Um, okay, so that's game number one. You're welcome. Here it comes to you, game number two. This is the classic relay race that we all played as children um, on field day. And what you do is you have two teams. Sorry, just smacked the microphone. That might have been loud in your ears. I apologize. So you take two teams and they line up single file. And you have a start point and you have like a couple, you know, a good amount of distance straight line away from the start point is your like second point, point A and point B. And so the, and you have one for each team. So two teams are lined up. So that's four points total if you think about it that way. And one at a time from each team. It's a relay race. So your racing um, is going to start at point A, which is right at the beginning of the line, and walk to point B, do a loop around point B, and come back to point A on their side respectively and what you're doing is you have a wooden spoon with an egg on it and you have to try and um, walk as fast as you can without running and you can't drop the egg so you have to be really careful Um, I think what would be funny is if the eggs were decorated first if you drew and these have to be raw eggs (laughs) so I'm please don't do it on carpet maybe do it outside and make sure your cleanup crew is really good and takes the trash out because your church secretaries will be really mad at you Monday morning (laughs) if it smells like rotten eggs okay do not blame salt and light again um but if you decorate the um eggs like little reindeer and this could be like don't drop Rudolph (laughs) Or like, don't drop Santa off the roof and have to make a wonderful, wonderful Supreme movie franchise called The Santa Claus starring Tim Allen. That's just an idea. Um, The third game that I thought of is a game that I've played before when I was in youth ministry. And it's not Christmas themed as the theme here is that none of these games, I guess, really are Christmas themed, but we put our Christmas spin on them. This is the last one, I promise. Um, You need a long piece of string or like very, very, very thin rope. And you um, have to place it securely from like one spot to another spot. So it goes across like a room. And before you secure it, fasten it to point B, um, you put donuts on it. This also, this game is not the most COVID friendly, I suppose. So maybe you want to really spread them out and like only do like two at a time, um, or do a bunch of strings of rope. There's so many ways you you can play it. The point is that the rope is at a, a height in the room that when you're sitting on a chair, you just are sitting and you look up and there's the rope with the donuts and the goal is to without your hands eat a full donut on the rope um, above your head and see how fast you can do it so go to duncan just get some like christmas themed donuts and there you go go to duck donuts one of our very own works there on the pike maybe they have christmas themed donuts you could get um but it could be another maybe it's a bagel that'd be a, a, a harder that's very dense So there you have it. I know your lives are changed. I know you're better because of this. Where would you be without these game recommendations? Those are certainly things that you're thinking. You're welcome. God bless you and good night. Let's get to a devotional now um, about love. 
So to start off our week two of Advent, um, I'm going to read to you from the book of Luke. And it's actually pretty funny because this portion that I had picked out a couple of weeks ago to read for this episode, um, I didn't realize that on the same day that I would be recording this episode, because I'm not a fortune teller, how would I know, I would be using this exact passage of scripture for a resource that we're working on with uh, Salt and Light Youth Ministry. So shameless plug to always be checking out our resources. This one I'm talking about right now isn't available at the moment. It will be later on in a couple weeks from now, but it's just kind of neat. Sometimes the Lord just winks at us in a way and and confirms things for us. Um, But today we're talking about love. As the calendar of Advent goes, this is not the correct. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be peace today, the week two of Advent. But like I said, we're not a church, salt and light, um, so we can just do whatever order we want. And today we're doing love, and that's just how it is. So we are going to read from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. And let me set it up for you. Basically, here's what just happened. Here's the ding-dong deal. Mary is a young, single, young woman. She lives with her family. She is engaged but not married, doesn't have any children, doesn't have anything really to her name. And the Lord appears to her and is very clear that she's been chosen because of her character, because of her heart, because of her strength, because of who she is. Um because of her devotion to the Lord, she has been chosen, if she's up for it and willing to accept the task of being the mother to the Messiah, the Messiah that people have been waiting for and hoping for, for years and years and years and years, thousands of years, all of her generations before Mary were anxiously awaiting the day when the Lord would come through on the promises that there would be a Messiah, a savior. And Mary knew about this, and all of a sudden, the Lord tells her, it's you. Like, the way that no one knew exactly, like, there was prophecies about how they thought Jesus would come to the world, but no one knew for sure. And they, of course, Mary had probably heard these prophecies too, and and suddenly in her, like, kitchen, she's being told that the the Messiah will begin as a baby and that she will carry the baby in her womb and raise the baby and and be the mother of like this child. No pressure. I have a baby and um, (laughs) if I knew (laughs) that he was the Messiah, my gosh, those nine months would be very intense. And they were super intense knowing that he's just an ordinary Joe Schmo. Can you imagine if he was the Messiah? So that just happened. Mary's super excited. So she leaves her hometown and goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who the same exact thing also happened to Elizabeth. She also had the Lord appear to herself and tell her that she was going to become pregnant. Elizabeth was a lot older than Mary, so this was a huge deal that she would become pregnant at her age with a baby, a little boy who they were going to name, they were told to name John and that he would be the cousin of the Messiah, Jesus, and that he would proclaim Jesus and sort of be the voice, literally the voice in the wilderness. That's where John the Baptist um, preached and did his ministry. Um, And he would 
sort of be be the precursor to Jesus. So that's so exciting. Um, I was not pregnant at the same time as any of my cousins, but <laughs> that would have been really fun. And I'm an only child. Like I'm sure if you're if like two sisters are pregnant at the same time, it's super exciting. So that's what Mary is sort of experiencing. So I guess one more thing of backstory, I'm doing a lot of setup, but it's important to know that it's really, really special and beautiful that this is how God chose to bring Jesus to the world. And it's mind blowing the more you sit and think about it because Mary lost so much by being Jesus's mother. And I mean, lost so much in our eyes as humans. Her reputation went way out the window. People probably talked, I mean, it was like a high school pregnancy, a teenage pregnancy and not married, doesn't have a husband. In those days, that's really, really not encouraged. It's super frowned upon. I mean, some people would even be stoned for that like to death you really couldn't do that sort of thing different culture so she has this pregnancy she's not married she's not from like uh, a royal family so to speak or a bloodline that's like really that important the interesting thing is that who she ends up marrying joseph his bloodline is the important one that jesus comes from and a lot of important people in the bible are directly related to joseph and of course god did that on purpose Um, but God was like, I'm willing to risk it all. Like I'm willing to risk reputation. I'm willing to risk what people think of this situation. I will put it all on the line in order to bring Jesus to this world. And it's sort of like the biggest mic drop in a way because, um, people and Christians do this too. People have this like, certain idea of how things are supposed to be done society has decided what is beautiful society's decided what's good what's accepted and the lord like turned it all on its head and was like yeah you know what a teenage couple a manger um a a very untraditional and unexpected birth and pregnancy and you know, relationship between Mary and Joseph. Yeah, all of that is good and is worthy for for Jesus Christ. The standards we set for ourselves are sometimes unreachable and really, really high. And the church can be one of the most judgy places. And I know some people might not like me saying that, but it's true. We as people, and sometimes especially as Christians, are really quick to judge others. And The way that Jesus entered this world was the biggest, like I said, mic drop move. Like, yeah, I will come from the lowliest of lows. And the Bible says that the last of these shall be first. And Jesus is the number one. So all of that to say, this is all probably on Mary's mind and on Mary's shoulders. It's important for you to know that as we read this scripture, because what you will hear Mary say does not match everything I just said. Everything I just said should it would definitely go hand in hand with a Mary who's fearful and who's nervous and who's embarrassed and who's questioning God and doubting and and uh, ashamed and rejected and sad. That would make sense, right? But I'm going to read to you now Luke 1, 39 through 45, and you will hear 
Instead, what Mary says. Here we go. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah, that's the husband to her cousin, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, greeting, the child leaped in her womb. That's baby John the Baptist, yo. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Quick pause there. Um, what's really interesting is that the Holy Spirit was officially given to humanity by Jesus thirty day or 40 days after his um, death on the cross. However, in this passage, we get a little moment of the Holy Spirit coming before that, time of Jesus dying and rising again and it's interesting that it goes to two women um that Elizabeth and Mary were some of the first recipients of the Holy Spirit that makes me as a woman really excited uh so Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Quick pause there again. That's so beautiful. I wish that people would describe me as someone who believes that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to me by the Lord. That's sort of what we talked about in episode 19. Like that's the definition of hope. So instead of all those negative things I just mentioned a moment ago, Mary is recognized as someone who walks in hope, as someone who just believes that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So here's what Mary said. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Mm. Okay, there's a lot there. First, as I'm reading this out loud, I realized for the first time that Mary calls God the Mighty One, which, uh, wow, I'm having a light bulb moment. Over the summer, our theme for Salt and Light, we have a theme every summer for that dictates our messages and dramas and dances, it was called Mighty Close, and we referred to God as the Mighty One. Wow, I need to text Christy because did she know that? Because I thought that we were just calling God the Mighty One because it sounded cool. Oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. And maybe there's other scriptures where God is called the Mighty One, but Mary calls him that right here. Whew, that gave me goosebumps. If you were around this summer, maybe that did that to you as well. Okay, 
She calls God the mighty one. She then goes on to give like a history lesson of like, yo, this promise of baby Jesus is like something that we've been waiting for. And she, you know, describes Abraham and her ancestors from generation to generation. So they, that tells me like Mary is someone who treasured the word of God. This is all going to come to one central point of love. And the first takeaway for us is that if we're going to be anything like the character in today's story, which is a true character of Mary, is that one of the aspects of love when it comes to our relationship with the Lord is treasuring God's word and cherishing it and holding it close and knowing it well and actually loving it, being in love with the word of God. That's something that Mary had. Um, Another thing that's really interesting is the amount of justice that's talked about in this passage. And I mean, Jesus talks about this and um, other scriptures from the Lord talks about like that we need to um, love others or love justice and to walk humbly with our God. And Mary talks about justice. She says he's brought down the powerful from their thrones and God has lifted up the lowly. She's talking about, you know, in general, that's what God does. But especially in the birth of the Messiah, he isn't going to have Jesus be born into this royal, you know, kingdom family. His kingdom is the one that you and I are a part of. The kingdom is here at hand is what Jesus says here on earth. And she, God's using the lowliest of lows in order to bring up the highest of highs. Um, God has filled the hungry with good things, has helped his servant in remembrance of his mercy. These are all words that she says in this passage. I think sometimes the church forgets that one of its very, very top callings is justice work. And even right here at Advent, uh, looking forward to Jesus, we are reminded of justice and how God sees things differently than we do. And God sees the low, the lowest, the lowest of lows as the most worthy and worthwhile and worth investing love in. So all of this beautiful thing, this passage is called Mary's song um, because it is her song of praise to the Lord. The core, the, the very deepest, deepest, deepest truth and message in it is love. Mary loves, loved, loved, loved God. And what we hear in this passage as well is that she understood how much God loved her, like an unfathomable amount. She understood that it was unfathomable. The Bible says that God has loved us with an everlasting love and everlasting kindness. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. She understood how much she was loved by God. And she understood how much she needed to love others and that she needed to love God in return. And I think that that's an important takeaway for us. In case you don't know it, you are loved beyond description. You are loved beyond bigger and better and deeper and wider than your brain could ever even capture one glimpse of. I mean, the love that God has for you, the love that Jesus has for you, it's incredible. 
It really is. It is truly incredible. And sometimes we need to be at our lowest to really understand it. I always heard that God loved me and I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home that loved the Lord and included me in church and in all sorts of religious activities my whole life. And my household prayed and read scripture and worshiped all the time. And in some ways, I almost took it for granted and took advantage of that fact that God loved me. And it wasn't until I was older and away from home and I went through seasons of difficulty and especially seasons where I really didn't love myself, times where I felt low, uh, where I felt depressed or ashamed um, or just not good enough. It was in those moments where I had to really accept that God loved me then. God loved me as I am and that nothing I could do could make God love me more, that there was nothing I needed to do to like earn God's love. I mean, I always knew that. I grew up preaching that and teaching that and being taught that. I needed to learn it for myself a couple years ago and it has it still like shakes me to my core just to understand that I'm loved and I want you to hear that as well. The beautiful thing is that Mary loved God back and you're not necessarily quote unquote required to love God back. God's love on you is not dependent on your love on God, but it is like a commandment and it is something that Jesus um, asks us and challenges us and tells us to do love God and love your neighbor when we love God we choose that it's a daily choice we choose to love God we make sacrifices for God we make priority our relationship with God we make telling other people about this love a priority we make knowing God better important to us all of those things that happen when you're in a relationship with someone, a family member, or you know, a romantic relationship, you do all of these things because you love someone. You make sacrifices for them. You get to know them. You talk to them. You listen to them. You listen to them for them, and you know them. You try to know them as best as you can. We do that with God, too. Um, we need to treat God like someone that we love, and... It's okay when we don't there's grace and forgiveness and God can handle it um, but if you aren't treating Jesus like you love him that might be something for you to look inward about this week my last point about love um, goes back to this justice element that's really crucial to what Mary is talking about and I mean obviously Jesus came to this realization from childhood that he was the embodiment of God like Jesus knew that okay but he was raised by someone who valued like doing what was right for others and to others and who valued like seeing the lowest of lows as worthwhile of investing love in he was raised by Mary who that was clearly important to her, and I'm sure that a lot of that influenced his decisions too because that is the like epitome of Jesus, is someone who loves justice. And um, he is who we look to when we 
choose our actions and choose our words. We need to make sure that we um, are modeled after Jesus Christ. And so the interesting thing about this season of Christmas and specifically of Advent is that it does sometimes bring out a more charitable side in us, right? Like we see people ringing the bell for donations and well, we see, you know, 12 days of giving and toys for tots and all these things. All of that is great, by the way. Do it all. Like, don't buy Christmas presents for anyone. Donate, give, give away, just like the ending of A Christmas Carol, like Scrooge gives everything away and gets a big turkey for Tiny Tim's family. Um, do it all. Yes, 100%. But the way that we love our neighbor, it starts inward, and it should not end on December 31st and begin on December 1st. It's a 24-7 year-round commitment to loving our neighbor. And I want to share a last point with you that has been sort of ruminating in my mind recently. Um, it kind of came up to me, <laughs> oddly enough, on a Facebook post back in election season. Um and of course, if you don't live under a rock, you know that uh, the politics in our country are really heated at times. And this most recent election brought out a lot of really, really different opinions. And I saw this post that said, um, and I'm, I'm going to just kind of share it with you, but, but the point of what I'm saying is not political, so don't take away any sort of politics. But the post was saying, like, no matter who you're going to vote for, you should remember that, and I'm paraphrasing, Donald Trump is beloved and Joe Biden is a, is cherished by God. And, you know, Donald Trump's beloved by God and Joe Biden is cherished by God and Mike Pence is, a, is loved beyond measure by God and Kamala Harris is a, is a cherished, prized daughter in God's eyes and... I don't know, that like was really kind of shocking to read, I guess, and it always sort of stuck in the back of my mind. Fast forward to this week as I was thinking about a lot of things going on, thinking a little bit about this conversation about love, but also thinking about there's certain people in my life that um, I sometimes have trouble loving for various reasons. Some of them, I guess, are quote-unquote justified. Others are really not. They're just rooted in my own issues. Um, and I was thinking about, I was driving, and I was just thinking about these couple of people that come to mind that I, at first glance, would maybe say I, I dislike or I don't love very well or don't love very much at all. And I felt God say to me really, really clearly, like, I, let me give one of them a pretend name for this example. We'll call them, um, let's see, I'm thinking of a name. <laughs> let's just go with Chris because that's part of my name, but that's not at all the name of the, the people I'm thinking of. Um, and because I'm looking at my stocking right now on my Christmas tree and my stocking says Chris because Chrisanne is, is a name that doesn't exist in the stocking pre-made industry. So I'm looking at my stocking of Chris. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about all these people that I really just don't don't love. And I know that I'm going to have moments where I need to interact with them. And the Lord just shared with me really, really clearly, 
hey, Chrisanna, I love Chris. I love that person like so much. More than you could ever grasp. I love that person. And I was like, oof, man. I just got a two-second glimpse of the heart that God has for the people in my life that I don't have a loving heart towards. And that heart is love. And it just, it convicted me. If there's people in your life that are hard for you to love, that's okay. That's normal. That's natural. That's human. But know that God loves them. And does that impact the way you think about them? I think when I mentioned a moment ago that loving our neighbors starts inwardly, really the way we think about other people when we're scrolling on social media and we're comparing ourselves or we're judging other people in our conversations, when we talk about people behind their back, when we um, spread stories that people and secrets that people told, told us and confident, when we walk by someone that we know we actually legitimately could help or could listen to or could love and we don't all of those things are choices that we make inwardly and we have the choice we have the option to choose differently and to choose love and so this is sort of a a a very common message I suppose in the church but now more than ever it needs to be reiterated that love is important and the way we love others matters. Um, and the way that we think about others matters. And the way we think about the way God loves us and loves others, it all matters. The greatest, the greatest love that there ever was and ever has and ever will be is Jesus. Jesus came to us as a baby and lived a perfect life and died um, in unjustified death in society's terms but again god flips everything on its heads and died a a righteous death um, for us for sinners so that he could prove once and for all that he was the perfect blameless lamb and that his love for us is unconditional and he confirmed that when his promise came true and he rose again three days later and really that's what we celebrate at christmas that's what we're looking ahead to with anticipation No matter where you are right now in your faith, um, you are loved beyond measure. And the people around you are loved beyond measure. And you can reflect that love to them. You have the choice to do that. It's not always easy and there's times where you won't. And that's okay. But you still have that choice. So make it this week. I'm going to try. And next week, we're going to continue with week three of Advent. We have two weeks left. And like I said, there might be some surprise guests joining us. So you'll just have to stay tuned. I will search for that secret Christmas recipe. Until then, love others, love God, love mercy, love justice. And just like eat so many Christmas cookies this week. If you get your hands on them, just don't think twice, okay? Okay. All right, you guys are loved. We love you. And we will see you next week for Pass the Salt, episode number 21 and episode three of our Advent series. Have a great week, guys. We love you. Be blessed.